Hello, I'm Nick McGrath and welcome to CardiCast, a glam podcast brought to you by New Cardigan. I'm chatting today with my good friend, Murphy Peoples, who's the exhibition experience developer at Museum of New Zealand, Te Papa Tongarua. And I just want to say thank you so much, Murphy, for taking the time to have a chat with me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Nick. <laughs> Coming to you two hours in the future. That's right. <laughs> I know. Time zone. And you're the first person in this series that I have spoken to that's overseas, which is really exciting. Woo-hoo. So woo-hoo, thank you. <laughs> um, My pleasure. So it's lovely to hear your voice and see you, see your face. But um, <laughs> our listeners will be hearing your lovely voice. So I was just going to say, maybe we could start off with, to get our conversation started, can you explain a little bit, uh, for those that don't know, what an exhibition experience mm. developer does? Yeah, sure. I, it's, a, it's a funny role because I guess it's like, well, I develop experiences uh, <laughs> in a museum. Yeah. Uh, but my role really varies depending on what the project is I'm working on. But one of the ways I've explained it in the past is that my role in an exhibition team is to be like the audience advocate and to sort of hold that holistic sort of concept and make sure that we're really delivering something for real people um, rather than, say, for the museum's own ego or for what interests us. So making sure that we're making it for real people and making sure that there are outcomes that are for our visitors as well as our, I mean, obviously as well, we want to achieve things for our museums as well. But yeah, really just honing in on that sort of visitor advocacy uh, and supporting the curator to find the best sort of stories we can, supporting the designers to make sure that we're, you know, designing from a visitor-centric perspective. So uh, lots of supporting and just making sure that we make everything as best as possible. Your new role at Te Papa is pretty new. So I think you started in May this year. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, um, that's right. Yes, so I've been to Papa since May. So it's been a really big uh, learning curve coming from Australia, obviously, to New Zealand or Aotearoa. Uh, being and Te Papa itself is the national organization and I've come from Museums Victoria which is a state organization so sort of finding uh, what's different when you're responsible for telling a national story versus a state story a much more localized story Uh, and also coming to an organization that's trying to be bicultural and trying really honestly and really uh, I think you know, we've got dual leadership, we've got a Māori leader and a Pākehā leader. And so, yeah, it's been a really big journey these last few months to sort of immersing myself in this sort of biculturalism with a national agenda. And what's really interesting for listeners, you actually were successful in getting this role <laughs> like over a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then we, yeah, it was COVID happened. in March 2020 and I had my interview Uh in fact, we were running International Women's Day events yeah. when I had my interview, uh, Nick. Yeah. Uh, and yes, then I was offered the role. Well, I was told I was successful when the day the international borders shut. Well, well the, you know, the day New Zealand shut their borders. So that uh, was uh, 15 months when we were able to make it over finally, when the bubble opened. Uh, and really lucky we sort of got here when we did, as you know, everyone will know, everything's shut back down again. I know. I, it's been a crazy, like we, everyone knows that's listening to this podcast knows mm. how crazy we've the last two years have been. But mm. um, that must have been interesting, like sort of you were almost like, yep, I'm ready to go. And then just like, no, mm. no, so did you, yeah. do you think that year was in some ways, was it, did it give you some time to kind of maybe reflect on before you got there or do some research or how did you? You take- know, 
I had sort of thought that's what I'd do. I'd loaded myself up with all this reading, you know, downloaded some Tereo Māori apps to learn uh, Tereo. And that year last year was like one of the busiest working years I've ever had in my life and spent, you know, hours upon hours in Zoom, in meetings and looking after my team. And, yeah, so it really was a busy, busy year. And actually it sort of helped me sort of separate this sort of new job on the horizon because I was just so busy and focused at, yeah. at work at MV. So we'll explain just for, for those that don't know, um, before Murphy moved to New Zealand, was working at Museums Victoria for nearly 15 years, mm. um, long time. Yeah, in various roles from yeah. public programs and then in education learning and for a long time managed the outreach program. So taking the van, uh, the museum to people who can't come to us because of age or distance, so managing a team of presenters driving a van around the state. And then I worked uh, as an experienced developer in exhibition team. But then last year I was back in my substantive role, back managing the outreach program during lockdown, So, which was really tricky when you're a team of really passionate people who want to get out of the building and go and talk to people and you are stuck at home on a computer. Oh, man. And you said it was a really busy year. Was that because mm. you had to pivot to more online events? And Yep. yep. Yeah, all that sort of, you know, finding, I guess initially it's, you know, finding what can we do when we work from home, when we're a team whose job is to go out yes. physically. But, yeah, so creating those sort of digital learning opportunities. Our key audience is preschools, kindergarten, and aged care facilities. Uh, so obviously with the pandemic, aged care facilities were sort of, out of the running but kindergartens were set up enough that we could do virtual sessions with them so lots of dinosaurs and fossils talk uh, <laughs> on screen oh that would have been I mean how cute seeing little kids like they would have had to learn kind of digital skills as well really quickly mm. during if they didn't already have those skills but yeah fascinating yeah yeah actually the little kids were pretty good at it it was it was yeah. when we were the, the <laughs> kids were back at preschool and the the teachers had to coordinate the tech the four-year-olds were fine they knew what they were doing <laughs> they've they've been born they've been born and yeah their, their whole whole lives which is just amazing that's um, right and if we go you know backtrack a little bit further um mm-hmm. you when you're from Canberra originally mm-hmm. so you worked at the Questacon for another, yep. quite a few years yeah so you were like and when I was in like year 11 I, I started mm-hmm. volunteering there and then got a paid job so working as a, you know, on the floor, explaining all the exhibits and worked in public programs there as well. And I managed the volunteer team there for a little bit as well. So I was there for nine years all up. So, yeah, I, I, I don't tend to change my organisations too often. Yeah, Big changes right. when I do, going from Canberra to Melbourne and now over here to New Zealand. That's really interesting. Like, but I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that those three organisations, like I don't know if you've had time, I mean, it's fairly where you are now is a very new experience, but have you had time to sort of think about or reflect on that? Like how different those three organizations are or were they just phases in your life? I'm sure you've had time to. Oh, I mean, both. Questacon was really excellent foundation for me, honing my communication skills and my presentation skills and just getting comfortable and confident talking to people about science. Uh, And then at uh, Museums Victoria, both at ScienceWorks and Melbourne Museum, you know, that was, I guess, really formative in a more professional development rather than a personal sort of skills development in a way, if that makes sense. And all the different opportunities that I had and all the different roles that I had at Museum Victoria 
and then I guess bringing all of that sort of experience to my role here in Wellington yes yeah, sort of feels like this was a really I guess a nice culmination of, I mean I say that like as if I'm uh, at the end of my <laughs> career but you know I can see you know tip up is really exciting it's new for me and I can see you know what all the work I can see like 10 years worth of work ahead of me and I can sort of see what's coming and it's really yeah just a really exciting place and a really great time to be here Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Like I, I've been to Tape Hopper. I think it's an incredible museum. I, you mm. know, and I think I love how you joked when you left Melbourne Museum that you're coming, you know, you left Far Lap, but you've, you're you coming to see the skeleton, yeah. Far skeleton at Tape Hopper, which I just thought was oh, awesome. And his heart is in Canberra. So it, yeah. maybe that's like this Far Lap thing. Um, maybe I oh can't my God. It's like a, oh, a, the only other place is America where he died. I don't know if I'm... You eventually, you might do something over there or work or collaborate perhaps. <laughs> that's amazing that there's like a trifecta there. Like that's Yeah, that's so amazing. true. I haven't thought of that. <laughs> oh my God, that is fascinating. <laughs> I love that. So you studied at the Australian National University, mm-hmm. Bachelor of Arts and Science. So, you know, you've always, I guess you've got that interest in both the arts and science. Yeah. That must have really been a great, I, I don't know, I'll be yeah. interested to hear, but was that a great foundation for someone that ended up working in museums and working with science collections and art collections? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I guess in hindsight, I've lived lived a really privileged life. You know, I just always knew that I would go to university and that I would be able to choose what I wanted to do. My dad is a scientist and my mum is an artist. There was never any pressure of, oh, you must, you know, go and do this big academic thing or you must go and pursue this, you know. And so having such a creative and scientifically literate household, I never sort of really knew what I wanted to be. And I was given that sort of freedom to just pick and choose what I wanted. And like arts and science, well, that covers most things. And for my arts, I did theatre studies because I used to do a lot of theatre in Canberra and anthropology. I don't always like to own up to studying anthropology because it's become a bit of a dirty word in some context in terms of colonization and museums and neutrality and all that sort of thing. And then in my sciences, I did psychology and biology. And my biology was mostly in the sort of the zoology kind of realm and a little bit of science communication uh, as well at uni. But yeah, so it's so I had this really broad base of knowledge. And because I'd always worked at Questacon, I had this like lots of sort of random physics knowledge and all the touring exhibitions that you get in, like, oh, suddenly I know a lot about spiders and <laughs> And then working at ScienceWorks and Melbourne Museum, I guess it's a similar thing that I'm always learning and then working in exhibitions, getting really deeply invested in a topic. And yeah, I think that sort of having that really broad knowledge coupled with that sort of performance and theatre background and the sort of communication skills that I developed over the years has, has served me really well as an experience developer because it means I'm really comfortable deep diving into a content area with a curator uh, and I've done so many different jobs in museums. I kind of know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know how you work when you're in front of house. Yep. So I can think of things from your perspective as well and make sure that I can advocate for you as well. And, yeah, so I feel like that sort of breadth really has served me really well. It's brilliant. Like, I, I'm, you know, something, I guess Murphy and I 
sort of, I don't know if it was three years ago or something like that, started, you know, working together on like International Women's Day Committee. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great experience for me. Yeah. Um, and then we sort of changed the name of the committee to Women at the Museum Group. And that sort of mm. was a really great group that we kind of led together, worked together, collaborated together. And I learned mm. a lot from working with you, Murphy. Was, oh. I'm, really, I'm missing you. I'm actually missing you. Oh. Not just as a friend, but just having that... Oh. Um, someone else you know like having someone else to sort of you know it's a lot a, a lot of responsibility in some ways mm. I feel it but um I'm so thankful for the group of people and it tends to be women that have been involved in the group we have had male people that identify as male members but they haven't stayed along around they I think they feel like we're doing secret women's business or something yeah. but but I mean men are more than welcome and anyone that wants to join mm. this group but yeah like mm. if anyone's interested let me know but um send me a, a message but it's been the last like I guess you know because you your time to sort of move to to Wellington was a bit postponed we were able to over the last couple of years we've been doing talks or guest mm. speakers and it's been fantastic and I actually I'm really looking forward to your talk when you come to the women at museum group <laughs> this year actually yeah <laughs> but it's been it's such a wonderful like we're so fortunate talking about feeling privileged mm. so privileged to be part of the glam community yeah and I think um during these tough times over the last couple of years I've realized how much I've valued these amazing people that mm. we have in our in our world's have you, I was, I guess my question is, have you found some of those awesome people? Like, have you found some really good connections already? You can often tell when someone's your people. And yeah. there are a few people like, oh, yes, you're my yes. people. I'm going to make you be my friend. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there are there are a few yeah. people, you know, I have, but I do, I mean, I came here because I have an enormous respect for my boss, Frith Williams. You know, I've seen Frith speak at a couple of conferences and I've met her a couple of times. She's someone who I've always really respected and was like, oh, how could I get her to mentor me somehow? <laughs> And then when this job was advertised, like, uh, yeah, I, I guess I sort of put a lot of faith in knowing how much I respected her work and that this would be a good fit for me at yeah. this place. And, and that's really played out to be true, which is great. Uh, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm starting to make those connections with people. I'm still trying to work out who would be the first person I'd bring along to a women at the museum <laughs> session. Like, oh, awesome. who's the right person? But, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, wham, women at the museum that's been a really great way. I still feel like I'm a baby learning about, you know, a baby feminist learning about feminism and in, in particular intersectionality. And I just think any opportunity we can take to learn from our peers is so valuable and, and bringing people together like we did do with yeah. women at the museum is just such a nice way. To, it's just an opportunity to network and learn from people, yeah. right? Like, a, And it's not like we enter into those conversations necessarily always even with a feminist agenda but just that supporting of each other and supporting of women I I find really valuable in that group definitely I've I've found that it's been a constant learning like like you said like I you know I've considered myself a feminist since probably since I was in early teen years probably Mm. and my dad handed me the female eunuch and was like read this and like Mm -hmm. it was his own personal copy and I just remember it you know because he was like I want you to I know you're going to be a feminist because the way I was brought up anyway but he was like mm. yeah read this what do you think about it let me mm. know afterwards and like that was a huge had a huge impact but things that you know feminism has changed immense you know it, mm. it keeps evolving and like you said the intersectional kind of aspects and there's you know 
there's so much I'm learning every day. And when you get corrected, like you, because when you run events, people mm. you know, get feedback and sometimes you, mm. you make a mistake and you think, Oh my God, I'm learning all the time. So mm. yeah, definitely. I'm, I think that this is, you know, and this is what I really enjoy about this podcast too. I'm constantly learning, even interviewing uh, colleagues and friends and things. I'm just like, oh, I didn't know that you did that. I didn't realize you started <laughs> out that way. It's a lovely, you know, just way to like have these conversations, like yeah. making a space for it because, you know, you could be a feminist, but you don't often get to really deep dive into topics yeah. and make time for it, like like you do with your exhibition work. And Yeah, and I, I think that the intersectionality too and, and learning from colleagues Part of it is as a white woman, you know, learning about my privilege and when to check my privilege because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that if you don't know, you don't know. And I think learning from our colleagues in that way particularly is probably a bit naive. You know, I thought I'm coming to New Zealand, I'm coming to Aotearoa. They've got a a treaty with their First Nations people and, you know, it's bicultural, you know, and te reo Māori is one of the recognised languages of the country along with New Zealand Sign Language and English, you know, so I'm coming to this, like, place that's, oh, wow, you know, from from Australia where First Peoples, we're really behind the game, you know, and as much as, you know, we want to put First Peoples at Museum Victoria, the, you know, the core of everything we do, we're not resourced to do that and we're not, I guess, then, you know, so I sort of thought I was coming to this sort of golden land of, no racism, but I didn't. <laughs> There's oh. a lot of, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, and so I'm learning a lot from my colleagues here about, uh, you know, the discrimination that Māori face um, and Pacifica people face here in New Zealand. And, you know, I sort of, I guess I made a lot of really naive assumptions that yeah. about this place and this country. So, that, yeah, I'm learning a lot about that too. But, you know, Te Papa does try really, really hard to be bicultural you know all our exhibitions are bi- uh, bilingual and with uh, te reo maori uh, is always first because that's the, what the first language of aotearoa uh, before english so you know, we're i feel like sort of it's an organization that is really really trying to walk the walk talk the talk yeah, i know it's really interesting that we're having this conversation because um recently i interviewed susie goss who is from new zealand and when and had um you know, when moved moved to Australia and had like a different experience where already, you know, people were sort of saying to her, look, you come from a place where it's all sorted out. Like it's also, and she's mm. like, oh. it's like, no. Um, mm. And it was just, try, again, trying to educate people here. But then she was also learning a lot about, you know, the issues that happen in Australia. And sometimes you feel like you have to be inside the country to really understand that. Yeah, true. Because it's like your impression of something mm. is different when you're outside of it looking in, I mm. think really fascinating like I, I remember talking about learning experiences for the women at the museum group when you when you organized the menstruation stations or, or yeah women's health week that was your idea and I thought it was a bloody brilliant idea and I just learned so much because I was getting a million emails from colleagues saying you know when I went through me- my you know menopause I didn't feel supported or this is what happened mm. in the meeting and I was learning it was amazing just by mm. you know so it was again it was that learning experience of going unless we that was raised as something like we made such a big you know we promoted it and it was everywhere but people were looking and you know some and it was also dividing people like maybe some people were like what are you doing like what are you doing like I don't get this but it actually raised some interesting things um that I never considered you know hmm. 
And it's like, yeah. until you try to do so, like until you try to approach something, even if you get it a bit wrong or whatever, yeah. how are we going to learn from each other and have these conversations? Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, actually I'm finding that here this week is Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori. So it's Māori Language Week. And, you know, I was really nervous about language. I guess, again, you know, expecting this to be this golden land where everyone knows the language and da, 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 and oh my God, I'm going to come here. I'm not going to know any other language. Mm. But like people of my age, things were not bicultural when they were at school. And some people, many of my colleagues don't have a lot of Tereo, you know, in their lives. Um, but people do, you know, kia ora, um, which is, yes. you know, it's high. It's, it means sort of like, be well kind of but you know so there is language that people just use naturally every day and I've really tried this week particularly being to wiki or te Māori to try and just use it just do it just have a go even though I'm nervous about it but yeah. people are really encouraging and really accepting if you get it a bit wrong they'll just help you pronounce it properly there's no there's not sort of judgment you it's you're really encouraged to just have a go and I've this week we've had lots of events and it's been really inclusive and welcoming for a Pakiha like me who's new to the country to just get in there and have a go although admittedly we did have a speed reading competition yesterday mm-hmm. and you had to say the longest name in Aotearoa oh, no. oh my god it was it took me about 12 seconds to say the whole thing oh wow. um, I was not the fastest but I had a go you know like I put myself out there got up on stage and had a go and tried to say this place name that I'd never read before Um, (laughs) and that's probably you know the word is as long as you know you can put your hands out and it's like oh my god the word is that it's huge it's huge yeah but I got a prize for it I got a book (laughs) so I was like yeah yeah the book is called Māori at Home so it's about um setting up your family to to use Tereo in your day-to-day life at home so it's really it's a good book yeah. oh wow how how about your family like are, are your children sort of going to get are they learning at school already learning some work yeah well it's interesting because it's not like you do radio class you don't have that as a topic it's just incorporated yeah. so you know the kids are all called tamariki that's just the teacher calls everyone tamariki which is children okay tamariki and you know so it's just more that it's I think incorporated in the day-to-day language uh, and of course they do singing doing waiata oh, I love it oh there's so much singing here everyone but everyone's a really great singer because everyone <laughs> just sings here but it's lovely I love that you can yeah I've got so many new songs to learn awesome. yeah so they there was the other day we we're watching I've been trying to watch some more New Zealand TV with them and there were these kids running from something and they were saying, oh, I said Tanifa, Tanifa. And I said, oh, I wonder what Tanifa is. And they go, oh, it means monster. So the kids actually already knew what that word was. Wow. Brilliant. Like kids are brilliant, honestly. Like they yeah. pick up things so quickly. Like they're little like sponges really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And their pronunciation is really great. I yeah. know. I think maybe, you know, I think that a little bit I, I know with my, myself with languages, I do worry that I'm going to pronounce things wrong. And then maybe that mm. fear kind of prevents me like getting it right it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy or something yeah no like it no really fascinating and I really can't wait to see where you know the projects that you work on over the next couple of years and I love that you're thinking ahead you know 10 years you've already got you know you know that's a good thing like if you go somewhere and you and you can see yourself there for a long time 
that means you're in the right place and you're you're at the right place at the right time I think yeah um, and I think because this job every exhibition you do is different so it's a job where I'm always going to be learning so yeah it's exciting it's exciting and you know, I, I can I say that there's 10 years worth of work because there's a whole lot of the exhibition spaces that are due for renewal you know, that haven't necessarily changed since the museum opened in 1998 so um yeah there's yeah all of the fourth floor and then there's the third floor and this and that so it's exciting there's always going to be I think there's always going to be um, a chance for renewal in exhibitions which is I think it's if there's funding there hopefully yeah <laughs> which is amazing <laughs> that's, that's the sticking point <laughs> that's the sticking point isn't it but you know look I mean, it, it must be one of the main, you know, Tape Harbour must be one of the main kind of tourist drawing cards for, for New Zealand, do you think, in terms oh, of... Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. In fact, they're usually 45% of the visitors are international visitors. Wow. Oh, but, wow. So, of course, that's a huge, yeah, <laughs> huge exactly. loss for them with the borders being shut. But yeah. because because the borders are shut, you're, they're actually getting more Local visitors stuff. out of Wellington. Uh, and lots more repeat visitors from Wellington residents. And in fact, you know, when they sort of recalibrated their numbers based on the borders being shut, they, uh, I can't remember the exact figure, but they ended up, uh, or we, I should say, ended up uh, getting more visitors than we anticipated. So, and because it's free, it's a really accessible place to visit. Yeah. yeah. And to learn about your the, the culture and the history of your mm. nation, which is so important, you mm -hmm. know. I remember when I visited, um, there was a really interesting Gallipoli exhibition. Mm. Like, oh, blew me It's away. still there, yeah. It's going to be a hard one to replace. Oh, my um, goodness. The figures yeah. were, like, more than, like, they were huge figures. They were, like, yes, jumping, yes. figures. Um, but, yeah, I just remember I was, like, whew, like, really struck me going going through that exhibition. But mm. the whole place, like, I can see what you're talking about where you can see some some of the exhibitions have probably been there for quite some time. Like a lot of yeah. museums, they just need a bit of funding to help, you know, renew those those exhibitions that have been around for quite some time now. But yeah, no, I can see all of the kind of, it has so much potential as well for the future as well. So, wow, I look forward to watching, mm. watching where you go from here on in. Yeah, so, and I can't wait to be actually allowed to tell you what I want to go. And also I can't <laughs> wait until I can actually come and visit. Um, yes. I'd love to come and visit one day because I have I have been to New Zealand a couple of years ago and I have um, friends and have a friend couple that I know in New Zealand, but I would love to come back because New Zealand is such a beautiful country and hopefully mm, we'll get, it to, is. get yeah. to visit one day. But thank you so much, Murphy. It's been really fascinating. Oh, my pleasure, Nick. <laughs> Lovely talking to you. And I'd just like to say, so for our listeners, that was Murphy Peoples, who's um, the Exhibition Experience Developer at Museum of T New Zealand, which is Te Papa Tongarua. And you can follow Murphy on Twitter, which is at, at Murphy underscore Peoples. And um, I'd like to sort of let you know that New Cardigan has Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you don't know much about New Cardigan, check us out on our website, which is www.newcardigan.org. And we hope you all have enjoyed this episode. Remember to check out more episodes to come. Um, check out our website if you'd like to become a member or join the newsletter. And look forward to future events when we can come together again safely in the future, post-lockdown. And remember, folks, JFDI. JFDI.